how do you come up with a blog post? I mean, so the, the first thing that I would say uh, with any piece of content, before you even know what channel it's going to live on, so before you even know whether it's a blog post or a podcast episode or an ebook or an infographic or whatever it is, is why, right? Why are you creating it? What's the goal? Bonjour, bonjour. Welcome to everyonehatesmarketers.com. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. Everyonehatesmarketer.com is a podcast for digital marketers who are sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I interview no-nonsense marketers who are not afraid to cut through the bullshit and say things as they are. So during this show, we'll learn how to get more visitors, more leads, more customers, more long-term profit by using good marketing, by treating people the way we like to be treated. Uh, head over to everyonehatesmarketers.com to subscribe to the email list. Uh, we'll, be, we'll notify you before anybody else of our future guests. Uh, you'll also help us to come up with great questions for the future guests. Uh, you'll also get access to uh, the numbers in terms of number of listens and downloads of the podcast. And also quite simply to have great one-to-one -one conversation if you need any help. In episode 14 of Everyone Hates Marketers, I'm talking to Dan Levy. Dan is the content director for Unbounce. Uh, you probably heard of Unbounce before. It's a software to help you build landing pages very easily. You don't even need to know anything about coding or development or web. You can really build some landing pages very quickly with their software, and I've been using it in the past. Now, today with Dan, we are going to talk about content and content marketing. Dan has a really love-hate relationship with content and he's going to explain why. We're also going to go through the difference between copy and content. And we're also going to explain how to come up with content ideas and ideas that people will actually like, which is, I think, something that is really interesting. And finally, we're going to go through a step-by-step -step to come up with blog posts from start to finish, like from finding ideas to writing it, to reviewing it, to publishing it, promoting it, which is really interesting. And the last thing as well, he's going to share with, with you his best career advice that he's ever learned from his mentor, which is pretty interesting as well. So as usual, have a listen and let me know what you think. Hi Dan, welcome to the show. Hello, good to be here. Thank you so much for your time. Um, so I'm going to ask you a, a first question, and it's a format that I've used in the, in the last uh, few episodes. Um, what's better, to be a sexual health instructor in Vancouver or to work as a content director for Unbounce? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I, um, I wasn't I was only living in Vancouver for a very brief time when I was a sexual health instructor. Uh, and then, you know, somehow I found myself years later, again, you know, working for a Vancouver based company, but out of Montreal. So I would say that, uh, <laughs> I would say that being a sexual health instructor, uh, was really, really fun when I was, but I was like 19, you know, teaching 14 year olds. I think doing that in my thirties would feel a little bit, uh, out of touch. So I think, I think I've outgrown that at this point. And how does one become one? Like, like what's the path? Did you, did you qualify on anything? Did you follow any courses or? Uh, so I was a student at the time in Vancouver and, uh, you know, I think the opportunity came about and, and they were very big and I think it was a really smart approach, uh, that at the time they insisted that, uh, you had to be, I think under the age of 20, to be uh, a sexual health instructor um, because they really wanted youth educators to educate youth. Um, and so uh, we had, I think, we had like some training and some workshops uh, and then we were sort of thrown into it. And uh, I think that that made for a very honest approach to uh, sexual health uh, education, which sadly, I think in most parts of the world, even in most of Canada, um, isn't nearly as progressive now as it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So really, so you're saying it's less progressive now than 15 years ago? I think worldwide for sure. Um, I can't speak to like Vancouver because I don't, I don't live there anymore. Um, but I know that uh, there's some staggering statistic, like uh, you know, a tiny percentage of high school students these days get any sexual health education whatsoever. Um, I think most of it, certainly in the States, is like abstinence-only education. Um, and even here in Quebec, which is a pretty progressive province, 
uh, I don't think we have mandated sexual education in in our public high schools. So it's it's definitely a, uh, an area that I'm, I'm passionate about, but <laughs> I haven't thought about for a while. So thanks for, for digging that one up. You're very welcome. I guess we can we can spend the entire episode talking about this topic, <laughs> but uh, I think people are expecting stuff around marketing. Um, right. So let's move on to to a little bit more over marketing. And but first of all, I want to know a little bit more about you. So for the listeners who don't know who who Dan is, he, I think he's the perfect example between uh, from like a journalist who who became content marketer. So like somebody who has a very good way with words and who can you know turn its skills into into the new business models online, which is great. So you studied international relations with a minor in world religions, which is also something I'd like to talk about, but I think we need to record a second episode for that. Uh, And then you did journalism, right? That's right. That's right. And what was your first job? Uh, My first job out of journalism school or or in general? Yeah. Uh, My first job out, out of journalism school was uh, it was in uh, an internship of sorts, but basically uh, I was working in the Washington Bureau of uh, the Globe and Mail, which is one of our national newspapers here in Canada, covering the uh, 2008 presidential election, uh, which happened to coincide with the 2008 financial crisis. Uh, And so it was a very intense period in Washington and a very exciting period. And and so I was sort of thrown into journalism at at a very... Uh, important time right away. So that that was a great sort of baptism by fire. So you did a few other jobs. You worked for a marketing magazine after for four years, and then you moved on to Unbounce four years ago now, because we're in 2017, which is... Yeah. yeah. Sorry, again, (laughs) just reminding you of stuff you don't want to know, but... Reminding me how old I am. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And the listeners as well don't have the the, the luxury to, to, to look at your beard. So... What we'll do anyway in the show notes is, is put a picture because it's just, it's a good beard, you know, and we'll try to compare it with mine and we'll see who, who wins. Uh, okay, let's move on more seriously though. When did you know you were made to, made to write? You know, I think pretty early on, like in elementary school, I remember in, in grade five, I, I won some sort of writing competition. It was an essay competition and we were supposed to write um, why <laughs> it was mandated by the Quebec government uh, and it was why Quebec is important to me. Uh, and I remember I sat down and I wrote, I think, pretty, pretty honestly about myself and my family history and uh, I submitted it and, and it won the competition and all of a sudden I was getting all this attention um, and I was somebody, I was a middle child, I was a very shy kid, I wasn't somebody who was used to getting attention or who was eager to court attention. And I'd say that the first way that I ever got attention was was through writing. And it was something that came pretty naturally to me. Uh, and I and I think because of that, because it became so natu- it came so naturally for a while, I was I wasn't eager to make a career out of it. I always knew that it would be it would come in handy, but I didn't necessarily want to be a writer or, or want to be a journalist uh, until a little bit later. Um, I think sometimes the things that come to us naturally are, are the things that we we resist for some reason. Yeah, that's a, that's actually pretty much the same thing happened to me. I was uh, always a big fan of like not a big fan, but I had this experience with internet from a young age, remembering you know the modem uh, 56k sounds like you probably do as well, and and all, I was always on my yeah, <laughs> it, I was always on my computer and all, and I wasn't playing games. I was just installing softwares and stuff, and I, it took me a while to realize how how much important this new technology was to me. So I completely relate to what you said. I'm tempted to ask you why Quebec is important to you, but I'm going to move <laughs> on to the next question because uh, we have other stuff to talk about. Um, I'm interested about your personality and why you're doing what you're doing today. So apart from this episode you just talked about, is there any particular event that made you who you are today? Hmm. Wow. Uh, who I am as a person, who I am as a, as a, as a content professional, I think it's, I think it's the same thing. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you know, I think that, uh, I'm always I'm somebody who has always been interested in a lot of different things. Uh, and, and why that is, I'm not sure. I think my, my, you know, my parents were, were pretty well-rounded people who were really into culture and the arts and, you know, around the dinner table, you know, my father used to like to, uh, like to have us put out a question, maybe a controversial question to spur debates. 
and really encourage that culture of argument and, and engaging with with current events and popular culture. Um, and I think because of that, I, I just developed a, a wide range of interests and and passions. Uh, and that's why I studied, you know, humanities and religion and, and politics and all lots of different interdisciplinary arts uh, in university. Uh, that's why I ended up going into journalism it wasn't necessarily because of the writing. It was because it was an it was an opportunity to engage in lots of different disciplines and and areas, uh, you know, to, to dabble a little bit uh, and to explore. Um, and I think that, you know, ultimately that's what sustained me as I've made my way into the marketing world, into the content marketing world, is that, you know, I've been able to engage with uh, with people who frankly know a lot more than I do about this stuff, right? Like real marketing experts in their disciplines, right? CRO experts and, and uh, data experts and, uh, uh, and really, um, help them, you know, by asking questions and by working with them and, and by telling their stories, uh, I'd like to think, you know, first of all, it's interesting for me and I, you know, it's interesting for the audience, but I think also in that process, um, I've helped people kind of hone their own thoughts and, and ideas and, and approaches. So that's been really rewarding. And you, so your dad at dinner table, will literally pick a question and make you talk about it. Is what, was it the format? Pretty much. Yeah. He still does it. <laughs> so, you know, it was just, we were just coming off the holidays. And, uh, so I spent some time with my family and he'll, you know, he'll, he'll put out some controversial subjects. Sometimes he'll share an article, uh, and he'll sort of push our buttons a little bit, you know, it's sort of informal, but he'll, he'll, he'll put it out there and, and kind of let us have at it. <laughs> That's, I mean, it probably, it probably sounds normal to you, but it sounds amazing to me. I would have loved to have my parents, doing that because I've done that with my teachers and didn't like that too much. It's like, it's not a question you want, you need to answer. I'm just asking this question for the class. So Louis, you know, stop talking. <laughs> right. But, uh, I guess it's a good advice for parents out there. If you want to develop critical thinking with your kids, that could be a good way at the dinner table. Yeah. As long as I think as it doesn't seem like homework, like I think he would do it in a way that like genuinely got under our skin. You know, like he would say something controversial or he would he, he would give us no choice but to argue um, and debate, which which is, a, I think, a really smart and uh, crafty approach. I love it. Uh, I really love it. Right. Let's move on to marketing and more particularly no BS marketing and more particularly actionable things that people could take away from this uh, from this episode. So why do we think we talk about content so much at the minute? Like there's been a huge increase in interest in this particular content marketing field. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a tough one. Like content, you know, I, I really have a love-hate relationship with the word content. Uh, you know, sometimes I, and I, and I think that we're going through an awkward teenage phase right now in the content world where there is a lot of cynicism and a lot of uh, insecurity uh, and a lot of, right, a lot of pimples <laughs> um, around the idea of content marketing and this word content. What does it mean? Does it mean anything? Is it just a synonym for stuff, right? Are we talking about writing? Are we talking about a certain strategy? Uh, are we talking about storytelling? You know, we were just talking about recently we had on on our podcast, we had uh, somebody who wrote an article. And I've, there's several articles around this about like content marketing isn't really a thing. It's just another way to talk about marketing as it's done before. And it's like, Yes and no. Yes, like uh, people have been telling stories forever. Uh, and, you know, marketing has been based on content, on ideas and writing and, and stories for forever. However, like there certainly is something unique about uh, this time. Um, the Internet, <laughs> frankly, like let's just put it out there. The elephant in the room is the Internet. And the Internet has just made these distribution channels so accessible. Um, and so... You know, you mentioned my, my previous job, I, I wrote for a, uh, a custom publishing company that, that created branded magazines for brands. Uh, so in-flight magazines and, and stuff like that. And that's something that's been around forever. Um, and that's really content marketing. But that was a very niche thing before. It was niche. It was expensive. You know, it involved printing. Um, so you didn't see it happen as much now that the tools of publishing and of writing are so accessible and the distribution channels are so accessible, you know, we're seeing a, prolifer a proliferation of this stuff. So yes, I think it's, it's an, it's an old art and something that's been doing, that's been done for a while, but it's been democratized. And because of that, 
you know, you have so many more people doing it, so many more people thinking about it. Um, and the industry is just on, it's just accelerating right now. And, and, uh, and that's why I think we're seeing both a, a lot of chatter, but then a, and a lot of backlash against it as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And I, I did listen to your episode on the call to action podcast that you guys have in Unbounce. And what I'm thinking right now is that the, the first principles of marketing will and have always been the same. You know, it's always about understanding people, telling them a story, providing them with what they need and, and moving on to that. Right. But exactly as you said, the internet is new, something that is still, you know, if I'm not mistaken, 40 years ish old or even less, maybe, uh, I don't know. I'm bullshitting right now. I think I, I'll, I'll come up with the right date now, but well, the, the internet as we know it though, right. is what exactly. 15 years. So, so landing pages and email series and, uh, and forms and, and call to actions are, are pretty much new. So it makes sense to create a, a, a specific field within marketing to specialize in it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think part of it is there's confusion over what we mean when we talk about content and what we mean when we talk about content marketing, right? Like content, um, gets confused with copy a lot of the time, right? The, the words, the stuff on the page, uh, that's its own thing. Um, but when people are talking about content marketing, most of the time, I think what they're talking about is really this like branded storytelling, um, which is, which is, uh, again, it's been going on for a while, but it's proliferated. Um, and, uh, you know, it's very new in its digital form. There is something that bugs me about, about in the, the content field, uh, like in any field, a lot of people are obviously doing things the right way and respecting people and caring about them and, and, and not trying to manipulate them or anything. But there's also always this breed of people who think that just by making, they will make more money by lying or manipulating or spamming. Um, so how do we convince those people to stop doing that? You know, there are certainly people uh, like that. Uh, and, you know, um, I guess the best advice I have there is like, you know, ignore them. Uh, but I, I actually think that the vast majority of people um, aren't trying to lie or trying to be manipulative, um, even if some of their content and some of their coffee comes up that way. Um, I think that what it comes down to is that writing is actually really hard, right? And copywriting for conversion is even harder. Uh, and when we don't have these skills as writers, we often tend to reach for the most cliche term, uh, the jargon, right? World-class, award-winning, you know, super awesome, guaranteed, uh, balls, right? <laughs> um, and this has the effect of exaggerating our offer without actually saying anything meaningful, um, so I think that the bigger problem is, is not people who are willfully trying to manipulate and lie, because again, those are just, those are bad people that exist everywhere. Um, I think it's the people who, um, who, who would want to do this stuff well and do this stuff honestly, um, and helping to give them the tools, uh, to do that and to show them and to lead by example, um, by showing that it actually works doing this stuff right and doing this stuff honestly and transparently actually works. So yeah, your solution to this, I, I like it. And I guess I'm not trying to blame those people because as you said, it's tough. Writing copy is incredibly tough. Writing good content is incredibly tough. So we can't really blame them. And I guess during this episode, we'll go into details in how to actually create content that converts. Um, but outside of this one thing, so you talk about jargon, which is really uh, a good point. Are there any best practices or so-called best practices in the field of content marketing that you think are just plain wrong? Hmm. One that comes to mind is that is the idea that you need to just pump out a ton of content uh, on a consistent basis. I think we were hearing that a lot when I started covering this space in like 2009, um, that, you know, have an editorial calendar and stick to that calendar and just put out lots and lots of content and see what sticks. Um, that may still be true to a certain extent if you're just starting to get a new blog off the ground or trying to get your podcast ranking in iTunes, right? Frequency is a factor in that. But again and again, what we've seen is that quality beats quantity uh, when it comes to results. Um, last year, for instance, our blog team decided to stop publishing new content for a full two weeks in order to focus on optimizing our older content. And, uh, and just by spending time, you know, in most cases, just doing a little bit of housekeeping, uh, 
you know, up making sure that uh, links still worked and CTAs were still relevant and maybe moving them up from the bottom of an article to halfway up. Um, just doing little tweaks like that, um, you know, updating it, the, the, the content so it was still relevant, fixing the headlines. Um, we actually saw something like a 250% increase in leads generated from those posts. Um, without creating anything new whatsoever. So that's just one example of where sometimes it actually makes sense to not uh, to, you know, not just pump things out for the sake of it to put your editorial calendar aside um, and to focus on 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 quality rather than just production. So the first quick tip would be look at your top performing blog post. I mean, the highest, the mostly visited one. Look at whether they are relevant or not uh, still today and try to tweak them so that the visitor would be inclined to, to do something, to, to leave their email for something valuable to them, right? Yeah, so I think the, the easiest place to start when it comes to optimization um, is number one, like you said, look at your top traffic getting posts um, and see how you could optimize them for conversion. So in our case, in this, in this case, that was lead generation. You know, that could also be sending somebody to your pricing page or, or, or whatever it is. Um, and then the second thing is looking at your top converting posts um, and then figuring out maybe how you could give them a little bit extra traffic. Um, and I think if you're just doing just those two things, it uh, doesn't take that much time and you might see huge results uh, without, again, actually creating anything new. Yeah, that sounds good. And I'd like to dig into the funnel and creating like proper tips to, uh, to create good content that converts, as you said, that's one of the toughest, uh, toughest thing to do. Right. So let's take the example of a, a landing page because you guys unbalance, you are known to be the best uh, landing page builder out there and you know, your stuff around landing pages. So what would, what would be the methodology step-by-step step to create a landing page that converts? And we have time to go through the steps. I don't expect you to go through all of the steps right now, but we can discuss it. So. We are a SaaS startup or SaaS business. We need to create a new landing page for a particular mm -hmm. campaign. Where do we start? Where do we start? Hmm. Uh, so I guess my first caveat here is that uh, I'm not the landing page expert at Unbounce. Um, everything that I've learned about landing pages, um, I've learned from, again, people at the company who, who uh, has been, have been thinking about and analyzing this stuff a little bit more closely than I have. Um, so Ali Gardner, for instance, our, our co-founder, um, has seen more landing pages than just about anybody on the planet. Uh, and he's written tons of eBooks and blog posts, um, step-by-step -step stuff, um, going through like what he calls the five elements of a, every effective landing page tips for optimizing it, um, for conversion. Um, and so I think I'll probably defer to his expertise on this one. Um, and the, the one thing that I would add is with, as with any best practice, you know, it really always comes down to testing, right? Best practices are benchmarks, but they're not guidelines. Um, and so, you know, we've featured lots of case studies on the blog and we've, we've, uh, we've written about other ones and, you know, we've done case studies with our, with our customers, um, on this stuff. Um, but we, we want to be really clear that like, you need to look at your own data, you need to know your own business, um, really get to know your customers, um, it resonates with them and, uh, and, and start there. And then, you know, once you try something, you know, use AB testing software, you know, that's built into Unbounce or, or elsewhere, um, in order to test different versions of your page. So a bit of a cop out. Um, but I guess, um, you know, the, the, the takeaway there would be, I think you need to start by talking to and listening to your customers. That, that's where I would start. Um, and, and that means both having conversations with them, but also looking at, how they're talking about you, we're not even looking, right? Um, are they reviewing you on Amazon? Are they, you know, giving feedback through your, your customer success channels? And are you documenting that? Um, and I think that as long as you are using the language that they're using, um, then you could create great copy. Because I, as a content person, I do believe that it starts with the copy. Um, because you can start copy that, that really speaks to their own pain points and, uh, and go from there. So for the listeners who don't know uh, Oli Gardner, I met him in Dublin when he was speaking at an event recently. He's a really nice guy. His presentations are always top-notch, very well designed, very, very original and full of proper science and proper feedback. So yes, uh, I think the best thing would be um, 
for the listeners to, to go to the show notes and, and check out the link we'll put uh, for people to, to, to read more about his tips. But to go back to what you just said, uh, the last point, which is really interesting, is that like, I'm, I am a bad copywriter. I don't think I can write copy at all on my own. However, mm-hmm. I have a secret weapon that is not secret whatsoever because you just said it, which is by listening to what your customer are saying, the way they are saying it, the way they explain what your product does or what your service does, they're going to use certain words, certain expressions that are going to come back over and over again. And this is how I build or we try to build in the business copy that actually works and converts, right? Yeah, I think it's uh, Joanna Weeb, who's a great copywriter um, here in Canada, said, you know, you don't write copy, you swipe it. Uh, you swipe it from your customers. Um, and I think that even if you're not a great writer, if you have that as a starting point, you can hand it over maybe to somebody to polish it, um, you know, the wordsmithing of it. Um, the, really, the hard part is not the writing itself, it's the research. Um, and it's uh, it's getting those those words and those pain points down on paper. Um, and from there, it's, you know, it's the fun part for me, at least, yeah, which is the, the polishing, but you don't need to do that on your own. So let's talk landing page. That's Oli's territory. Are you interested in talking about maybe a blog post or how to come up with a blog post that actually converts? Because you, you talked about it at the start where you're saying that you've tried to optimize blog posts. So how would okay. one come up with a blog post that actually works well? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, happy to talk content, that's for sure. How do you come up with a blog post? I mean, so the, the first thing that I would say uh, with any piece of content, before you even know what channel it's going to live on, so before you even know whether it's a blog post or a podcast episode or an ebook or an infographic or whatever it is, is why, right? Why are you creating it? What's the goal? And so is the goal to drive awareness? Is it to get more people, more eyes on your, your brand and your product? Is the goal to actually get people who might be considering your product already to uh, know more about your product and drive them further down the funnel, maybe collect their email address, uh, maybe start nurturing them a little bit? You know, is your goal, are they already a customer and you, you, know, you really want to make sure that to, to retain them and to get them trying a, a new feature, get them on a, on a higher level plan, you know, et cetera. So I would start there. And then once you have a good idea of that, let's say it's a blog, it's, you know, again, you know, the the idea is that you want to attract qualified people who may not know about your brand, but, you know, you want to get their foot in the door and you decide that the best way to do that is through a blog post. The next thing I would do is say, okay, who is this for and what problems are they facing in their day to day? So taking B2B, for example. Right. What what problems are they struggling with at work? Is it you know, trying to prove you know to their boss that a cert, you know to get budget and buy in for a certain strategy? Is it the problem of getting you know a lot of traffic but not knowing how to actually optimize that traffic and convert that traffic, um, etc. And and then ideally it's like okay, what what problems are they facing and what problems is no one else actually addressing? One of the things that, that, that you know that I, I feel very strongly about is that there's no point about putting out content that's already out there, right? I don't believe you just look at what your competitors are doing, and you know even if you're doing it better, like I, I just don't think you're you're really contributing anything to the conversation or to the internet by just putting out more content that's like same same, but different content. So number one, what problems are people facing? Number two, what's, what, what's no one else addressing? You know, what, what can you add to the conversation that no one else is actually addressing and, and putting out there? And then from there, you know, solve that problem, basically, just, right? Just create, write it. Yeah, create content. We'll do what you need to do, uh, whether that's interviewing experts, whether that's research, whether that's, you know, whatever it is, create really good, thorough content that, uh, that solves that problem. So step one, know your goal. Step two, know your customer. Step three, know the channel you're going to use, the format you're going to use. Uh, four, know, your, know their problems. And five, answer their problems in the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds simple. Uh, yeah. And it is simple. You know, the, the, the hard part is the execution, like, like anything else. Ide- ideas are cheap. The ideas are cheap, yeah. So 
I mean, you guys have, have a good content team. You have you have a few people on there working with you in the content for Unbounce. Um, so I'm more interested in trying to give actionable insights to to people in the same situation. So let's say a SaaS business that have quite a few employees now and they found product market fit and they, they are starting to build a strong marketing team, right? And they like to have a, a better content plan and a way to, to shape that out. How would you say they should go about it? Uh, so, so they, they, do you have a content plan already or they, or they don't? They, they, they have a, roughly, they have like, a, they, they publish once every week, but they're not really happy with it. They'd like to get more out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think I would ask a, a whole series of questions that are, are probably hard to answer and it's a hypothetical example. Um, but I mean, if they're already creating content, I would... I would, I would see what's working, what's not working. Um, and if, you know, 90% of what they're doing has failed, but one piece of content, one thing has really, really resonated. Uh, and it doesn't matter if that's a blog post or a, a video or whatever it is, like, let's focus on that, right? Let's use that as a starting point. Um, you know, don't blog if you don't have writers on board. Right. Don't try to make a video if you don't have the equipment equipment and, you know, you're not a visual person. So, like, start with what's working. Start with what you're what you're good at. Um, try to do more of, of what's already done um, and then, like, optimize from there in, in, in really small incremental steps. Um, I don't think that there's any like one. There's, there's nothing anymore that, like, you need to do. Right. Like, I, I don't even think you need a Twitter account necessarily anymore. You know, you probably want to be on Facebook, but like maybe not, you know, maybe if you're uh, a yoga studio uh, and, um, you know, all your customers are uh, are reading this one yoga magazine or this one lifestyle magazine or they're all, you know, really obsessed with this, uh, you know, type of yoga mat. <laughs> Uh, then, you know, go to those channels, like go to the people who sell the yoga mats, you know, and see, you know, how you could partner with them maybe to, to create something, um, go into that, to that magazine. I don't care if it's a print magazine and print's dead, but if they're all reading that magazine, you know, see if you could, you could, uh, create a really great think piece, um, about, uh, about yoga and become a trusted expert to them. So yeah. Um, basically I, I guess it goes back to the idea that there are no best practices. Um, you need to know your business, you need to know your customers and get to know them, um, and then solve a need for them, become a trusted, uh, expert to them. So I, I gave you, I asked you this question and at the start you were saying that you have, you wanted to ask a few questions first. And I guess those questions that you had in your mind that popped up could be interesting to just say out loud for people to auto answer them, like to, to ask themselves these questions and see whether it leads somewhere. So what, I'm just curious, what kind of questions did you have in your mind when I said, uh, when I asked you this question? Oh, things like, uh, you know, why do you think you need a content strategy? <laughs> you know, like, uh, is it because somebody told you, um, is it because you read something somewhere? Um, why, uh, you know, who, again, who, like, who are you trying to reach? Uh, where do they hang out? Um, what are the companies and people and publications that they trust? Um, you know, some of these questions are more geared towards people who haven't started at all. But like, I, I suspect that they're questions that maybe weren't even asked in the first place. Um, and I think that if you ask something even like, so why do you want to create content again? you know, you might get an answer like, well, you know, I read this blog post or my boss told me to, or, you know, we had this young intern who like was a hotshot writer and told us to start a blog. Um, and you know, you could sort of undo a lot of that stuff, a lot of those assumptions, um, and start from the basics, which is like, uh, you know, why does your company, why does your brand exist and who does it exist for? Like to me, those are the fundamental questions because, uh, the best definition of content marketing that I've ever heard is creating stuff, stories, information that solves the same problems for your audience that your product or brand does, right? Creating stuff that solves the same problems that your brand does um, and your product does. Um, and, and that's where it starts. Um, and so first you need to go back to the existential questions of 
why do you exist? <laughs> Who do you exist for? Um, what problems are you trying to solve for them? Um, and then, you know, okay, great. Make a list um, of all the things that keep them up at night, uh, them up at night. Make another list of the places um, where they they hang out um, and uh, create content solving those problems in those places. That sounds great. And uh, th this is why I wanted to ask you this question because, I mean, it's coming back to what you said before, your goals, your actual real goals. Asking why in marketing is over is, is not something that is being done quite uh, as much as it should be because uh, there's a lot of me too and oh, this guy said so, so I will do the same. And, and you're right by asking all those questions. Those are the great questions that people should ask themselves. Yeah, the other thing is that I think people often conflate why with how, right? You ask somebody, why are you creating this? And they tell you to generate leads. That's not why. That's how you've chosen to measure the activity that you're doing, right? That's your KPI. That's not your objective. Um, you know, the why might be because, you know, again, we're trying to get people who have never heard of us at all to know what we, who we are and what we do. Great. Okay. Um, that's the why. How do you measure that? Yeah, maybe you measure it by getting people's email addresses. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe there's another way. Maybe you want to look at more top of the funnel metrics. Maybe look at, you want to look at other ways to measure it. But I think people tend to, you know, go right to the metrics without actually asking the why. So I couldn't agree more with you. Like why is such an underrated question in marketing uh, and life? Yeah. And life especially. Uh, and so why is Unbounce doing what they're doing? What's Ooh, the big why? I like that. <laughs> Uh, so Unbounce ultimately exists to empower every business to make better marketing experiences. You know, put briefly, we want to make the internet a better place um, for both businesses and their audiences. Um, and we want to give them tools to, to help them do that. That sounds very similar to our vision and mission, which is great because the internet deserves to be a better place for people and, and businesses. Um, just going back to the metrics, so we talked about the why and the what and, and, and all of that. I'm just curious about what type of metrics, the top metrics, do you guys use to measure success in your content? Yeah, so it depends, again, on the why. Um, and so we've chosen to structure our marketing team around uh, what we call our customer journey. Uh, and so right now we have dedicated multidisciplinary squads within our department uh, that are each responsible for a different stage in that journey. Um, and so that starts with our awareness squad, uh, which is all about, you know, getting more people um, into our funnel and more people aware of our brand and what we do. Uh, and they, their main KPI right now is lead generation. Um, but actually what we've seen last year, um, discussions we're having right now, is that not... In, that that's not always the right KPI in every case. Um, so an example is our podcast. Um, our call to action podcast, something that we launched last year, um, has been a great um, channel for, for experimentation and, uh, and for expanding our audience. Uh, but you can't really measure the success of a podcast by lead generation. You're not getting email addresses, right? Um, we've tried a couple things where we say, hey, like we have this new ebook, you know, download it and we give a, you know, a, a URL or we've, you know, we've offered like a, a t-shirt, um, in exchange for, for, uh, for something that requires, you know, an email address. But, you know, ultimately it, it's, it's not the right fit. It's, it's trying to put, you know, a square peg in a round hole or, or whatever the expression is. Um, you know, a podcast is really about getting more people to know about us and know about our product. Um, it's not about getting their information. Um, and so in that case, you know, our KPI is audience growth. You know, we as long we've decided that as long as we're seeing a steady growth in our audience over time, measure as measured by uh, downloads, because, as you know, iTunes makes it very tr hard or tricky to uh, to measure anything else except for downloads. Um, but as long as we're seeing that steady increase in our audience um, and we're confident that the content is geared at the right audience uh, and, you know, is. Um, like, you know, a lot of that targeting happens with the content itself, right? Like it's, it's a, it's a company on us to make sure that we're, uh, we're targeting the right people by creating content that makes sense for them and makes sense for our brand. Um, and as long as we're seeing audience growth that then, you know, that that's what we're shooting for in this case. Um, and so yeah, as a squad, their KPI is lead gen. 
um, for different pieces of, a con- of content. It might be something like listens. It might be something like, you know, uh, traffic in certain cases to a blog post. Um, or it might be, you know, to look, looking at the, uh, the click-through rate from our blog post to our more product-centered pages, like our pricing page, for instance. You know, we wouldn't expect them to click through a blog post uh, go to our pricing page, read the pricing page, sign up for a free trial, go through our 30 month trial process and like call that a conversion, right? Like that's not, uh, to me, a, uh, that happens for sure. But you, I, I don't think you can't bank on that every time. Um, so to me, it's all about the micro conversion. It's, it's a conversion on the way to the greater conversion. Um, and, uh, and so you, so I think you have to set, set a KPI for each piece of content separately. Um, it's not enough to just have a KPI for one team. Um, and so just real quickly, our awareness squad, we're looking at lead generation further down the funnel. We have an evaluation squad, um, that right now is responsible for getting people, um, from the, uh, you know, getting the leads that are generated by the awareness squad, um, to start a free trial. Uh, from there we have an adoption squad. That's all about, uh, helping to onboard our, our trial customers and getting them to be, uh, to pay us twice. Uh, and then finally we have what we call the expansion squad, uh, which is all about getting people to try new features and to stick with us and, uh, you know, ultimately to become evangelists and, you know, each squad has its own KPI. And then of course, every piece of content that they put out has its own KPI. So long winded answer, but, uh, but there you go. And just a quick answer, a uh, quick question. What tool do you use to measure that? Do you use many tools or do you use one main one? Many tools, many tools, <laughs> you know, I would say our, you know, Google analytics is, is the, is the pillar in many ways. Um, we also use kiss metrics. Uh, we also use thing, uh, Domo to, uh, you know, to help consolidate all our, our data and create, you know, dashboards. Um, we, uh, but you know what, like there's a lot of talk about tools these days in your marketing stack and, don't get me wrong. Like we're a marketing technology company. Um, tools are, are, could be very, very helpful. Uh, but ultimately what I found is that it doesn't matter if you have a spreadsheet, you know, or a very sophisticated tool. Sometimes it comes down to making the time and the space to actually have these conversations about data, right? Um, you can have all the tools in the world, but if you're not building that into your workflow where you use the data, to inform your content ideas and then you, you know, have a retrospective where you look at the data and see what's working, what's not working. If, if you're not doing that, then it doesn't matter what tool you're using. And, and very often you don't need a fancy tool to do that. The free tools like GA are actually pretty good. I'm glad you said that because I believe the same thing. It's all about the why and it doesn't really matter how you do it. Is there one marketing site that you would recommend people to look at because of their very good copy? Hmm. Other than Unbounce, of course. Yeah, right. My, I'd say that my uh, go-to as a content marketer uh, is Contently's uh, content strategist blog. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but they've taken a really, I think, a really cool approach to their content marketing, which is like a very journalistic approach. They've decided that they're going to be the go-to most comprehensive, trusted source on content marketing. Um, so in terms of content marketing news, uh, examples, strategy, you know, thought leadership, um, I think that they're doing a better job than any publication. And that includes non-branded publications like, you know, ad age and TechCrunch, And, um, I think they're doing a better job than anybody at covering this one space. Um, and the fact that it's published by a content marketing technology company, um, doesn't do anything to me, um, to diminish that. Do you have an example of a non-marketing website that people should check out for their copy? Uh, so one that I came across uh, recently, um, and I guess uh, by non-marketing website, do you mean uh, a website that's not focused on marketing or that's not like doesn't have a brand behind it? That's a good question. I mean, yeah, outside of our world of marketing and selling marketing software and stuff. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, so one that I came across recently is, uh, so a lot of people know about the Dollar Shave Club. Uh, the two of us with our beards obviously uh, aren't customers <laughs> right now. 
Uh, but they, they made a big splash a couple of years ago with like, um, I think it was like a bunch of YouTube videos that were kind of like fun and silly and like how to videos. Um, so I knew them for that. And I, you know, I'd heard them come up a lot of times as like a content marketing example, um, that I kind of started to tune out because you, you hear the same examples over and over again. Um, however, I didn't know that they had quietly launched a, a magazine, um, an online magazine. It's called Mel and it's to me filling a niche that I thought, uh, I, I've thought uh, has needed filling ever since going back to my sexual educator days, um, which is a really thoughtful men's magazine, um, a magazine that's, you know, for men, but that's not just all boobs and butts and cars um, that basically, you know, engages with like important societal issues, body image, sexual harassment, but also culture and sports and all the stuff that you'd maybe expect from a men's magazine. Um, and they do it really well. Um, they've got good writers. They've got really good art. And um, it's one of the better men, online men's magazines that I've seen. It happens to be published by Dollar Shave Club. I actually came across Mel Magazine. And I think they use Medium as the way to host their posts. Yes, they do. Um, which is, and they'll probably have to change that. But um, that's another story. Um, and I didn't know it was Dollar Shave Club behind it. It's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, they're very. It's very subtle. It's very, very subtle. I, I, I almost too subtle, maybe. Um, but uh, it's you know, like I said, the content stands on its own. What do you think marketers should learn today that will help them in five or ten years? <laughs> um. So, I would say that the best piece of advice that I've ever gotten, career-wise, um, was from my former boss. Um, and this is when I was actually looking to potentially leave that company. Um, and I had a good, a good enough relationship with my boss. That I could have an open conversation about this. Um, and, uh, you know, I had come to that company, which was, a the, the branded content agency from the journalism world. Um, and to me, you know, coming to this agency was a step out of the journalism world, but it wasn't a, a full step because, you know, there were they were still producing really high quality editorial content just on behalf of brands. Um, and I was worried that by taking the next step into the like SaaS marketing world where I would be part of a marketing department um, would be a bad move potentially for my career because I was sort of like leaving the journalism world behind. Not really as I've come to discover because still using a lot of the same skills. But um, that, that was my fear. Uh, and my, my boss told me at the time was, he said, screw your career, focus on your craft, you know? Um, and what I took that to mean was like, are you going to be honing your craft? Are you going to be learning new stuff? Are you going to be taking, you know, your, not just your career, but like, you know, are you going to be bettering yourself, um, as an editor, as a person, as a leader, uh, as a writer, um, potentially as a business person, um, by taking this role. Um, and, uh, and to me that was just such good advice because, you know, we talk a lot these days about like, what's the best move for your career. You know, there's famously, you know, talk about millennials are, you know, particularly, you know, worried about like, you know, career advancement and titles and stuff. Um, but, uh, what I've sort of learned is that, you know, it's not about setting yourself up um, for the next promotion, it's about developing the skills that you'd like to develop so that when those opportunities come up, you know, you are the, you, you, you've developed them, um, in a, in a way that's true to yourself. Um, and, uh, and yes, you know, you'll, you're the obvious candidate for that job, but it's not really about the job. It's actually about the, uh, the, the self improvement, um, and the betterment. So it's about yeah. the why, isn't it? There you go. It all, you it go. all comes back to the why. I already found the title for this episode. <laughs> Last question. Uh, where can listeners connect with you, find more about you, listen to the Call to Action podcast? Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, our Call to Action podcast is, is one of my favorite things that we do at Unbounce. Uh, we really engage with uh, these big questions of why. Um, in marketing, in business, um, you know, we do also get into the nitty gritty with actionable content about conversion rate optimization and copywriting and content marketing and, and all that good stuff. So that's the call to action podcast. You could find it on iTunes. Uh, you could find it on basically all the podcasting platforms that you might use. Um, 
check out our blog, unbounce, uh, unbounce.com slash blog. Uh, that's sort of our flog, flagship content marketing channel um, where we put out all sorts of actionable content about digital marketing. Um, me personally, you know, I'm on Twitter uh, for what it's worth. Uh, DanJL is my Twitter handle. Um, you could also reach me directly um, and uh, I'd love to, to chat, chat content with you. Awesome. Well, Dan, you've been a pleasure to talk to. I learned a lot of things from you. So thank you so much once again for your time. Thank you, Louis. This has been great. Take care. That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. And this is the moment where I tell you to subscribe to our email list. So before you leave and go to another podcast or listen to another episode, I don't treat email list uh, the way people usually treat their email list. I really treat that as a, as a one-to-one conversation. So I'm going to send you very short and personal emails every two weeks, I would say. We, I'll inform you of guests in advance. I'll share with you my numbers and how many listens we get. And I'll also ask you for your feedback in terms of the questions we can ask future guests. And perhaps I can also uh, have you on the show uh, someday. So don't be afraid to subscribe. I'm not going to spam you. And you can always unsubscribe for sure, if you wish. The second thing we need from you is your harsh and honest feedback. We know that this show is not perfect yet, and we always Uh, can improve so you can send us your email at feedback at everyonehatesmarketers.com good or bad please feel free to send me an email and the last thing I like uh, from you is that if you did like the episode please share it to your friends your colleagues or whoever might like it and also please review it on iTunes or another service that you might use to listen to your podcast because if you leave us a five-star review it means that more people will be likely to listen and we can spread the word quicker So thank you so much once again and au revoir. And that's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at everyonehatesmarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said, your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple uh, days before, said, this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, skim through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.